Welcome to Inside Shopify UX. I'm your host, Lalaoya Layo Pearson, UX Director at Shopify. On today's episode, I chat with UX Director Gavin Harvey and UX Manager Owen Williams about designing developer experiences. We'll discuss how we optimize the crap out of everything, chat about UX creep, and wax poetic about feedback. Stay tuned. Owen, Gavin, thank you so much for coming on the Inside Shopify UX podcast. I'm very excited about this conversation, which in my mind is permission to nerd out. So like <laughs> we are embracing all geek energy, all full nerddom as much as we can as designers who are actually like always cool anyway, right? <laughs> um, but uh, I'd love to just dig into a little bit of the work you do, the philosophies you have and tell the world about designing developer experiences at Shopify. Um, so to maybe kick things off, uh, please tell the audience who you are and what team you're part of and the types of things that you're working off. I'll, um, I'll start with you, Gavin. Okay, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm Gavin Harvey, and I am the UX director for the Build team at Shopify. And uh, that team is responsible for the application development platform. Um, so our team is really involved in empowering developers to create better experiences for merchants, uh, mainly that <clears throat> merchants used to kind of, I would say, like upgrade or level up their commerce operation. And what types of things has Build put out there that we would see? Right. So that would include a lot of the things that as a developer, you would, you know, you would be using day to day to um, build, preview, test, and deploy apps on our platform. Um, yep. That includes things like the, you know, the, the command line interface, um, all of the like, you know, sort of APIs and, you know, data models that developers rely on, um, our dev our dev documentation site, right, at shopify.dev. Um, that's yeah. something that the team works on. Um, our team's also um, in charge of Shopify's design system, which is called Polaris. Um, so that includes a lot of the kind of front-end components and and uh, building blocks of the UI. Um, so so things like that. Um, that's kind of like the, the whole, you know, picture. Um, we have a lot of powerful technology under the hood that the team works on. And it's very interesting from a UX perspective because um, a lot of that stuff is not the kind of thing that you would necessarily see, um, you know, with your eye, right? Um, it's, it's um, you know, services, right? It's, it's how we think about performance and, you know, privacy and a lot of the underlying structure of um, Shopify's applications. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the stuff that my team is currently focused on. Okay, we're going to dig all the way into that because I'm going to have a whole conversation around DevDocs as well in a second. But okay, Owen, cool. please tell everyone who you are. Hey, uh, I'm Owen Williams. I'm a UX manager on a team we're calling Custom Storefronts now. Um, many names in the past you might have heard Headless, I think is the yeah. one that we, we try to avoid saying. Um uh, but we, we're the team that's responsible for uh, sort of like the the big bet on uh, the future of sort of uh, what we, as I said, like call custom storefronts at Shopify. So the two pieces that people might have run into so far, are, um, there's a framework that we've released with a crazy website uh, called Hydrogen. Uh, if you go to hydrogen.shopify.dev, we have a very funky gradient website. It's bananas. Um, and that's it's so good. It came out okay, so I good. Mean, <laughs> like, it is right out of the wave right of that. 
a geek's <laughs> dream. Both hydrogen yeah. and deaf dogs when we yeah. released them this year. It's like that's why I titled the episode Permission to Nerd Out. Yeah. It's probably it's... the first time in ages I've seen like such nerdery being yeah. welcomed in a corporate fight. <laughs> I don't want to go off script already, but like the fact that we got it approved just makes me so happy because it's so <laughs> just it's very loud. If you haven't seen it and you've made it yeah. this far, just go there and look at it. So yeah, we've uh, we we got to stick it in front of everyone because it's yeah. like the the first landing spot. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, yeah, it's <laughs> and it's brand yet. new too. <laughs> Um, so we have that um, and then the second piece of that is uh, sort of a hosting uh, counterpart to that called Oxygen which we'll be releasing in I think I can say 2022 I think the website says 2022 uh, which actually is a sort of hosted optimized uh, platform for hydrogen apps so it's like a really opinionated way to get them running fast keep it close to the data Uh, we sort of like optimize the crap out of everything you would have to like do manually on any competing platforms. Um, and it's sort of like two clicks and boom, you're done. Um, and so that's really exciting with a team that looks after that. We have a few other things that are related like uh, domains as well, which is a fun one. Um, uh, but we're sort of thinking of like, what does the future of uh, storefronts look like, especially for merchants that are growing or getting really big. They're lo- looking for something custom, something they can control add some crazy gradients or whatever and so we want to give them the best start they can have as opposed to figuring out like sort of looking and grabbing uh, the way it had worked in the past is you would go to all these other platforms and you would like piece it together and figure it out yourself uh and we're sort of like here's the thing just go and build it like don't spend six months trying to make it work um so we're sort of at square one we're hoping to get some feedback soon um and the the funny thing actually is i also worked in core build so i could nerd out on that too <laughs> i worked on that before well, so then let's start with the basics here, because like yeah. both DevDocs and, you know, Gavin, you were talking about designing APIs and looking after all of that stuff. So to work in your teams, does a designer have to be able to code? No. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like straight out of the gate. Okay. No, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that, because I think that's been like the eternal debate of like, do you have to code? Do you not have to code? And certainly... Like if we listen to Toby, he's certainly of the opinion that the whole world is going to learn how to code. To be honest, my four-year-old is learning how to code and she's already doing a great job at that. So like maybe that is the reality, right? We should all just accept we're all going to code somehow and that's a part of our future, right? I've got a really hot take on this. I I think um, I generally agree that it's useful to, I would say you don't need to code. You just need to have like this endless curiosity about it. Like you don't have to like go and figure out how React works. Yeah. All I ask of the designers on my team is like, try it <laughs> um, okay. or like do one course, like have a, have a play with it. So you understand the fundamentals yeah. um, and be willing to dig to like answer questions about like stuff in there. Something I've been talking about a lot over the last week is a, a thing called environment variables and like an abstract, it's really hard to talk about. So we're like, Hey, let's unpack this with some developers. Let's like talk through it. I don't need you to necessarily go and implement that. But I do, I do ask that like designers coming in have a like baseline curiosity. I think like, hey, go and try Netlify. Do like their starter thing. Go and try Vercel. Try all of these things. Do a course. But you don't have to like be the the number one developer of a Rails app. Like I don't expect that. Um, yeah. So you're not. That's my I, take. Yeah, Gavin, what's your view? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's important that we you know talk about like what it is that designers actually do versus you know the products that we work on. So to to Owen's point, you know, we don't want to turn all of our designers into CS majors, right? 
Um, mm -hmm. And designers have a whole variety of tools that they use to do their jobs, right? The job of the designer right. is to weave together a lot of different inputs around, you know, the, the technical constraints, the customer needs, right? And a whole host of other things like Shopify's brand, for instance, to solve really hard problems in very simple ways. And there's a variety of different methods mm -hmm. for doing that. For some designers, coding is a method that they use to solve problems. And we have designers on our team that their preferred medium of creativity is code, which is great, right? But it just so happens that our team is working on developer platform, right? So just as you would expect a designer working on, let's just say, you know, a fintech app to understand some of the, the basics of finance and, you know, kind of like banking and that kind of commerce. Um, you would expect a designer who comes and works on a developer platform to either arrive with or be, like Owen said, highly curious about developers as their customer, right? So while we don't expect designers to code for a living or to make that part of their daily practice, um, as Owen was saying, we would expect that they've explored other developer platforms such as Netlify or Vercel or Twilio or, you know, GCP or any of those other kind of like, you know, big platforms out there that developers use to, to create apps, right. And to distribute apps, because that's what our customers do. So we definitely want that because as any designer knows, if you don't have empathy for your customer, it makes it really tough to do your job. You know, what's really interesting is I also find like the people who come into the team, not knowing too much about it, but being really interested in it, like have that fresh eyes, superpower thing um because the I, i'm going way deep here on like a rabbit hole but <laughs> uh, one thing i've noticed hole, Owen. i've worked on developer tools really really specific ones for the last six months so we, we did a github integration for at unite for the online store and um it was really hard to work on because all the developers and people who are really close to it had these like weird preconceived notions of how things worked in their head but then we'd be like, go and click through the GitHub flow. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> and so having someone come in and not, not actually have, you know, like all this like muscle memory has actually been a useful thing as well for challenging the developers because they can, I don't know. I love the like first six months of a new job because you can just like act dumb and apologize for the whole, like you can just be like, oh, I'm new. I, like, uh, I mean, I had um, um, pretty much after six months too. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> totally. I do that. But so, Maybe unpopular opinion, but I have this concept in my mind that designing for developers is kind of like designing for kids. On the <laughs> one hand, you have a, a group of people who are like super opinionated and picky and like really like have tantrums if you get it a little bit wrong. Yeah. Then on the flip side, you can actually have a lot of fun because you don't oh, have yeah. to design for the lowest common denominator. So like. Would you say that that's what it's like designing for developers is that you do get a lot more room, but you also get a very, very, you know, you get all the feedbacks and uh, people. I want to hear what Gavin says before I try to, like, I really want to react because I just worked on this shiny thing. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that having it, having an audience that's passionate and opinionated is a good thing, right? You want people because they're, they're going to be motivated to give you feedback. Um, even if that feedback isn't always pleasant, you know, I think that we look at it like feedback is a gift. So that's a good thing. But what they're opinionated about 
can often be surprising for designers. So for instance, when it comes to the UI, um, a lot of our developers, they're, you know, like single developers trying to make a living as a freelancer or working as like a small shop of like two or three people. Um, they don't necessarily have the means to employ a designer right now. And they're just kind of getting off the ground. So for, for them, they'll say things like, you know, Polaris is our designer. Like, tell us what the UI should be. They're not opinionated about that. Sometimes they are, but a lot of times they aren't. What they are opinionated about are what we would call like the ergonomics of development, right? Um, the com like the command line interface and the way that you type in commands and the and essentially like the model of what an application is, right? They're gonna be very opinionated about that. And in Owen's case, I'm, I'm guessing that when it comes to storefront, you know, things like you know JavaScript conventions are gonna be something people come come to the table with a strong opinion about. Um, so yeah, like opinionated uh, customers are great, um, it, but it just so happens that um, what they're opinionated about would surprise you sometimes working within this domain. Yeah, I think that's an interesting observation because I would I would generally agree with that. Um, with the caveat that like it's interesting because sometimes I think the kids' comment really made me think. I'm like, a lot of the time uh, you put something out there and they like they react really strongly. I think that's where, where I where I think of the kids thing is like developers are like, oh my god, like this is making me do something different. But eventually, like if it's done well, you can like they'll come around to it, um, which is really interesting. And we're sort of towing the line, especially when you're working on something really new. So, for example, uh, with hydrogen, we're working on something uh, called it's called React Server Components. It's not out technically yet. Um, and it's hard for them to understand it. They don't like, at, at least the, some of the stuff I see on Twitter that's not related to hydrogen, but just about the technology is like, why would I need this? Blah, blah, blah. Like all of those sort of takes. But it's like, you really have to show them the power. I think we do that a lot with the dev docs now with the interactive stuff. But that is why uh, when we get to oxygen, I think it's really important to be like, hey, here it is. It's set up. You can just start playing with it. You can just go to hydrogen.new in your web browser and it just like spins up this dev environment ready to go without doing anything on your computer. And that that was a really intentional strategy to be like, hey, there's this new thing. Please try it. Like, don't don't just like, oh, it's something hard. <laughs> uh, and so I think there is a little bit of like, um, oh, I've, I've got to mess up the metaphor, but it's like teach them to uh, bring them to the water and teach them to drink. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. No, but it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm going to liken it, keep likening it to kids, but it's like trying to yeah. get my child to eat a fruit. Yes. Like, my current challenge, I'm trying to get her to eat melons, um, but she sees them as green and therefore they are a vegetable and therefore right. they cannot be tasty. And I'm like, come on, just give it a try. You got to you know, it's a little bit. And then the other day she finally tasted it and, and lo and behold, the world changed. Exactly. And I think the ergonomics <laughs> thing is the key here. So like Gavin was saying about ergonomics, it's like this, I think there's the table stakes stuff that developers are really picky on. And they're like, if you won't do X, Y, and Z, like we don't, I don't want to know about it. And so for us, it's things like the CLI. Um, it, maybe it's like uh, CLI being command. Uh, the command line interface tool that we have, yeah. the Shopify CLI. So you can like use that to set up your store or um, like populate it with products or create your app on your machine. Table stakes, every platform has this. And it's the same with like the creating an app or OAuth, all of that stuff. Uh, they want that out of the box. And then it's like, okay, you, you've met the bar. Now you can show me some crazy stuff. Yeah. Which is interesting. Can I can I also just extend this kid metaphor for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Let's take <laughs> it all the way. <laughs> I've got I've got two little ones of my own. Um I, I liken it to this. Like building things should be fun. It should be playful. 
right? There should be satisfaction in creating something and then seeing it kind of like come to life, right? Um, so for uh, for developers, you know, I think what they want is to really focus on, you know, writing code, trying things, seeing kind of what happens, right? Hitting that preview button and like getting getting a sense that, okay, this thing's like kind of like coming to life. What they don't want to deal with, you know, to use the, the kid part of it is like cleaning the room and all of like the sort of chores that, that, you know, have to be done. Right. Um, they, you know, just like anybody, like they want to play, they want to experiment, they want to create. Um, so, you know, we'll get into this maybe a little bit later in this, in this episode, but, you know, for a lot of developers, there's a distinction between like the writing of code and creating the, the project or the application and what we would call DevOps, which are things like hosting, you know, provisioning a server or a virtual machine, um, spinning up a database, like all of that stuff. And so what we're seeing a lot now are companies saying, look, you don't want to deal with all that stuff. We will, we will make that as painless as possible for you. And that's a trend, not just here at Shopify, but in the industry overall is this idea of infrastructure as a service where you say like, okay, I just, I just want to focus on building my app. I don't want to deal with all this other stuff. Right. And companies like, and including Shopify, by the way, are coming to that customer base and saying, cool, we'll give, we will take care of all that for you, you know, just focus on creating stuff. So I think that's the way I look at it is like, just get them to the point of play and fun and experimentation as quickly as possible and take all of the chores and all of the like housekeeping stuff sort of out of the picture as much as we possibly can. So let's get into how we do that, because I think that's a really great segue, because I guess the, the interesting thing about designing developer experiences as well is like, you're not designing, I mean, we've talked about hydrogen site and dev docs, mm -hmm. like they're destination experiences. Yeah. But the bulk of what you're designing is not a singular UI, right? It's not a, a destination. It's not like a single place. So how do you deconstruct what to make? And like, how do you even like, you know, are there interesting ways that you approach it from a design lens? It's like, okay, we're going to figure out how to make this DevOps task super easy. What does that look like? Is it, is it just workflows? Are you uh, sketching journeys or are you actually thinking about like command line, you know, commands and playing with like keyboard elements? Like what are, how do you actually deconstruct the thing that you work on? I might leave that to you, Gavin. I feel like you're closest to this. <laughs> okay, sure. So yeah, it's definitely a different kind of design challenge, which I, which I think is cool and exciting. Um, now we do have plenty of experiences where what you're going to, you know, go to a website, you're going to see something on a screen, whether it's like the dev doc site or, or like the application dashboard, for instance, right? Like, you know, you're kind of like expect expectations are conventionally to see you know, UI and click on buttons, stuff like that. But as you were um, indicating there, Lola, it's like, there's a lot of stuff we designed that isn't really visible, um, at least not initially. Um, and so for those kinds of things, we're relying on um, design methods like, you know, um, domain modeling, for instance, right? Or creating journey maps. Um, and identifying what are the steps in this workflow and what are the tools that people use. And, and a lot of times those tools are not Shopify tools, right? So we're, we're trying to meet people where they are and acknowledge the fact that they're going to be doing some tasks off of our platform. Uh, what, and kind of what's the end state of that? What are they trying to get to? Um, in other cases, we're doing a lot of work around things like um, content design. What are the verbs and the nouns of our platform, right? When, you, when we talk about like, okay, I want to create an app. Well, like what, what exactly do you type in to the command line and like what order of like words do you put into that command? Um, so, so a lot of it is, is like is 
pretty cerebral in the sense that like what we're doing is thinking about like structures of things, you know, like models, task flows, and that kind of stuff from a designer's point of view. Um, but I think that's really interesting because I, I feel like at that point, we're really working at like the very heart of the system, right? We're really kind of like under the hood and kind of like messing around with the nuts and bolts of things. And there's a lot of power there. So I think it's exciting if that's the kind of design lens that you like to apply to your work, you know, is, is thinking it like almost taxonomically about, um, about experience. Um, some people might call that, you know, like service design or, or something like that. You know what I, I mean? I was going to say the same thing. It's kind of yeah. the behind the scenes design, but you're still very intentional in enabling a lot of things to be possible. Right. Um, just knowing that people are using different tools and interfaces for it. The one, the one difference I think that makes perhaps hydrogen and oxygen weird is we're very much optimizing for like how can we get out of the way and let the developer try the thing as fast as possible without all like that sort of business shit is this the first swear i just <laughs> uh, yeah it's all of the business stuff it's like all of the instincts uh, i'm glad you went first because i like yeah. i'm gonna be doing this whole season it's gonna be trash yeah. but hey like, yeah. perfect uh, but okay well so going back to the business shit like the it's the opposite of the instinct of i think a company especially of our size yes would be like hey get them in the funnel like sign yeah. up for the thing yeah. then you can download it then you can like create an app uh with hydrogen in particular our strategy is like how can i get it on my machine as soon as possible without making a shopify account because i think yeah. in hydrogen's case like that's a fail <laughs> if if they have to like sign up for shopify that's a pretty big lift okay um, i'm gonna i'm gonna get controversial here sorry gavin yeah. um i think another one that we really wanted to like avoid was like you shouldn't have to know what the partner program is to like do the thing like if you're in your head and it's, this is what gavin was talking about when it comes to hydrogen it's like you know what the result is that you want we yeah. shouldn't make you care about all these concepts that will come with time yeah um, and we introduce them as as you go through the sort of like ecosystem and there'll be more when oxygen lands so it's like sort of the reverse of what a business would usually try and do which is like you know put you in the funnel you've got the emails you've got all that crap and we're like hey no you can just copy this or click this like uh hydrogen new thing and it's you're going like and so it was interesting we kept getting yeah. feedback that was really hard when we were working on this that was like there's too many steps don't make it yep. wizardy, blah, 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 yep. all of this feedback. And we're like, well, we have to, do, like, there's certain things they have to do. And we've gotten to the point where it's really fast. And I think it feels yeah. really good, but it's the antithesis of what I was used to, which is like, cool, you're yeah. in the partner program. And I can say this because I'm not for something fast. Yeah, make yeah, sure yeah, yeah. it's really funny because uh, I, like, my taste of designing developer experiences was uh, I spent a brief period in a blockchain startup. Right. And like, our first product was essentially like a sandbox. What well, we needed to happen is we needed developers to come and try and code in Go and mm -hmm. try and use blockchain to do a thing. And like the Halo was write your first smart contract. Right. And it, I'll be honest, like I was quite advanced in my design career and freaked the fuck out pretty much most of the time <laughs> because yeah. there was no UI for me. Like there was just, right. a, this, there was this huge learning curve of, you know, all the different tools that developers used to write code and the different languages and frameworks. And we had this cool idea about creating like one language that you could use across a bunch of different um, blockchains and stuff. It kind of didn't really happen, but it was yeah. super fun in lots of ways. And I guess one of the things that I identified was like, I had to design very differently. I had to approach my work as a designer with a very different hat. So I'm interested if there are 
unique rituals or processes that you've had to cultivate to help your teams get into the headspace of designing for developers? So things that you wouldn't necessarily do if what you were designing was like, you know, a website uh, for something else, some other random, you know, consumer tool, for example. The the one that comes to mind for us has been, we do this thing where like, I mean, when we were working on the very crazy hydrogen part where we're like trying to get towards release was actually we would just sit as a group sometimes with the developers sometimes not and run through the flow like just do it like do it on your machine whoever doesn't have it like make them do it and see if they could get it to go yeah um which was really helpful because it identified stuff that we'll make like we were often making people make choices for for no reason (laughs) uh for example or um they would get really stuck so we would go back and uh re-explain something um and when the developers were there it was a really good gut check like i think Mm -hmm. i wish we had done this more because there were a few things we didn't catch but it would be like uh we got feedback at one point that there was sort of what was (laughs) called ux creep on a page because the page told you to go in the code and remove something yeah (laughs) i feel i feel so much affected (laughs) i know so there, there was this, this uh, in the hydrogen starter, there was a, a component that told you to go and do something in the code. Well, okay. like, that's kind of like an anti-pattern because truthfully, you could put a comment in the code that says, remove this. And uh-huh. like it's sort of done. Um, and I think it's just like catching those kinds of things has been a, we've been sort of trying all sorts of different ways to to do that. We're still working on it, but even just, I feel like you can cheat a little bit because you can use your developers internally. We can even ask some random yeah. developer at a channel that hasn't used it, be like, hey, can you can you try this? Doesn't make sense. Okay. Um, but another one we're really uh, betting on this year is uh, we actually have like very open community channels, much more than we did in the past. So we have mm-hmm. a, a Discord now. Um, feels very hip and cool uh, where developers can actually give us, give, directly give us feedback on how, what their experience is like using hydrogen. Nice. So like, do you have an issue with that? And even like Toby is in there, uh, the director of Headless is in, like, it's, it's pretty crazy because we're really, really uh, sort of right next to them while they're playing with this and we're seeing where they're getting stuck pretty quickly. Um, and yeah. that's helping as well, as opposed to like a sort of more traditional process uh, where you might like try and screen, you know, like the research thing where you like call them and you're like, oh, tell me about your thing. It's very different, like actually just seeing them try to do it, <laughs> yeah, uh, which has been really, really cool. Yeah. I think expert systems demand that you do that lived reality thing in a way mm-hmm. that maybe like consumer systems don't get. Yeah. Like, uh, it feels like I've worked everywhere else and I don't reference Shopify examples, <laughs> but again, back in the day when I was working in investment banking, like the only way to understand how to design a trading system is to sit next to a trader and watch them with like their 17 screens and literally watch them move data and look at things. And like, you know, there'd be something over here that they're just glancing at and it's kind of there in a very glanceable position, but they're not actually doing anything with it. And some of those little cues you don't pick up on if you're asking someone, so tell me how you set up your work environment. Uh, You have to kind of have that observational and constant um, interaction with folks. I guess, Gavin, maybe... um, Share with us, what is the most surprising experience you've had in your career designing developer experiences? Because I believe you were sort of working, you've been working with developer products for a while, right? Prior to Shopify as well. So has there been anything that's happened that always stands up in your mind as being like, okay, this is a, this is a weird job that I have. <laughs> I mean, it's, well, you, you mentioned a few minutes ago, just kind of the, the shock of going from, you know, more um, kind of like visually oriented design. Yeah of you know 
um, challenges to this design challenge, which yeah, you have to rely on almost like a whole different set of senses to um, yes. to uh, to effectively you know figure out what's going on and to design solutions out of that. I think that so yeah, I, I have been working in developer tools for a little while um, before I worked at Shopify. I worked at Google and I worked on their cloud platform for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. and I've worked in design systems and and kind of like design platforms for a while before that. And I think that, um, I guess I would say this, you know, what has been maybe surprising or just like an enduring puzzle to figure out is this idea that, you know, what, when you're talking about, like you said, tools for experts, right? Or, or <laughs> well, in other jobs, we would call like power user tools, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, You've got this challenge of like, you know, respecting that audience and their desire to go quickly into, you know, a very like powerful environment, but at the same time, bringing in people who may not be as familiar, right? Yeah. So kind of going back to what Owen was saying a few minutes ago, uh, we would actually strongly agree that on the application side, we want to get people to hello world as quickly as possible, right? right? Like we don't mm -hmm. want you to have to go through all this sign up and do all this stuff. Now for us we are dealing with a situation where people are installing apps eventually on production stores. So mm -hmm. at that point in time, we have to safeguard data and make sure that like, you can't just be some random person being like, oh yeah, yeah. like, you know, I'm just going to take all this personally identifiable information out of somebody's store and then go sell it out there on the black market. But what we want to do is to say, look, if you're, if you are a power user and you're familiar with this whole tool set, right, you're you know, zero to hello world might just be dropping you right into, you know, like a code editor and like letting you play around with things. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's a reason why there's this um, incredible surge lately in low and no code development tool sets, right. Yeah. Where, where you're saying, look, like you can build an app with actually not having to write a lot of code. And I think that's yeah. helpful for people, especially as they're kind of coming up to speed on a platform. So for that audience, their time yep. to hello world would actually be increased if you just drop them into a code editor. What they need are like sample applications or templates that they can get going with, right? Yeah. And so I think that's the challenge is like the, the, the truly like expert audience, they don't appreciate the wizards and like the step-by-step -step yeah. stuff and like, here's a, here's a sample app that you can go deconstruct, right? From, for them, yeah. it's actually delaying their time to the, to the desired outcome. But for yeah. an entirely different set of people who are using the same platform, that's actually yeah. really helpful. And so I think that's the challenge for us is like, we do want to make it easy for people to play, but that means very different things for different people. Yeah, for different types of users. Because I, yeah. I don't know, is, is it feels like this low no-code thing is controversial, right? Because, <laughs> you know, when I go on Twitter and I listen to developers having chats and stuff, they're almost like, oh, the peasants who need these low-code solutions, they should just learn to do what real developers do. You know, there's kind of like <laughs> no. a, an, an us and them dynamic. So like, how are we processing that? Because I, I can also see the tension, which is like, actually, we want more people to just do more stuff full stop. And so we want to try, mm -hmm. I think you said it earlier on, Gavin, we meet people where they are. And maybe that does mean giving them more wizard-like, you know, building blocks for, for, for extending their stores feature set and, and the types of things they do with Shopify, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, so first of all, making the information architecture simple and clear, that's something that mm -hmm. everybody appreciates no matter what your skill level is, right? So you can't, you can't design your way out of a bad, you know, architecture. Right. 
Um, but from there, I think that, yeah, having like a couple of different pathways where we can say, look, like in the case of hydrogen, right, as Owen was saying, um, you can go and like, you can essentially bootstrap like a, a test store very quickly with a code editor next to it. I used that yesterday. It was awesome. Like, I love that. Um, but, you know, for folks that are like maybe already experienced developing storefronts um, or themes or whatever, they can, you know, bypass that. They don't, that's like, that's not like a required step. Um, now, finessing that and like understanding how to like kind of channel people down the right path can be very um, tricky and it, but also interesting. I think that for us, like you were saying, well, like we want to recognize that like when people come to us, there might be a variety of skill levels. And I think part of creating a, you know, a platform that has um, equitable outcomes for all different kinds of users involves giving folks who are newer, like an ability to ramp up. I mean, like I fully understand myself having been a designer for now two decades, the, the mentality of like, look, like, you know, there's like, you know, powerful tools and then there are like tools that are like, you know, less powerful and the kind of the judgment that's implied there. But I think that if we, if we don't interrogate that, if we don't examine that, what that does is it creates um, kind of like a very exclusive um, sort of like situation where it's like, well, you're not part of this, you know, like sort of experienced crowd. You don't belong. What we want is for Shopify as a as a opportunity, as a, as an economic opportunity for people um, to be welcoming, right? I mean, I know that like that doesn't mean making the tools blunt though. Right. So we want the tools to be sharp and powerful, but for folks that are still kind of like getting up to speed. I think I think the Twitter fights are always interesting because it's like very easy <laughs> to throw a take into the abyss and like it just starts the quote tweet spiral. I yeah. think it's a I think it's a spectrum. I really I really think low code is interesting because it empowers people who might not have the tools to like code yet or like whatever to yeah. like start playing with the fundamentals there's a reason we offer something called shopify flow where you can sort of do this like you can drag yeah. and drop stuff and if we got the primitives right like they can graduate like it's i think that. that's the interesting thing with like all of these low code things is a, a lot of what i've seen on twitter is people play with that they make good money doing it as a freelancer or whatever and then they like start dabbling with code and they've seen all of the like the bits uh, yeah. in there. And I think, I think for merchants in particular, it's really empowering because like it, it frees up capital, first of all, like they don't have to go yeah. and spend all this money to like integrate with the ERP system or like do something crazy. Like they might be able to just do it themselves and then they can yeah. invest that money somewhere else. And then when they're, when they're like bigger or already or have a more complicated thing, then they can, they can do that and they have the right things in place. So I do think, I wish all this stuff existed when I was doing like merchant things like seven years ago like we had to we had to hire an agency and pay them out the nose to like make two things talk to each other you know like Xavier's yeah. magic it's yeah. so, um i i love it as an entry entry point i think you know some people just want to get something done but i do think it's like hey oh wow i can actually make these two computers talk yeah <laughs> and then you start looking under the hood a bit more and you're like oh i, I could code like it's just this weird curl thing <laughs> whatever it is you know what and i i do think i love the the overarching arching principle here which is like we're not building walled gardens right the idea of like making shopify work is actually giving it more reach and that mm -hmm. extensibility and accessibility right down to the code layer yeah. is like a core part of the thing that we're putting out in the world and it always will be yeah. um so okay we've got a few minutes left and i wanted to just go back to the ui layer for a second and talk about how unique 
the design decisions we took in DevDocs and Hydrogen are. Like they are like little gaming interfaces, you know, memory, uh, trips down memory lane for people who kind of remember, you know, gaming on like a SNES or like an old school yeah. um, Nintendo and stuff like that. So like walk me through the style choice there to go with something so specific and so like unique in lots of ways when everyone else is sort of doing high gloss photos with a bit of parallax yeah it's very retro um it's super retro yeah and as a, as a kid who grew up you know playing 8-bit video games i really i do appreciate that it kind of like warms my heart um the first thing <laughs> to note is that um all of the credit for that is to you know um is to Jesenia perez cruz um, who will be on the podcast good <laughs> yeah She's way more entertaining than I am. Um, so that's good. Um, I can and, subscribe. I can subscribe. Yeah. Jeff, so. Um, Might even air before this one, actually. I don't yeah. even know. There you go. There's a blue button. So subscribe. So subscribe. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it's really to that team's credit. Like, they they yeah. were the ones who came up with that, that vision and worked so hard on that um, in the kind of, you know, furious weeks preceding Unite last year. Um, but yeah, the, the idea there was like, Hey, Shopify as a, as a global brand, right. Is I think very, um, opinionated, right. And, and there's, there's some, there's some fearlessness that goes into that and saying, look, like, you know, we're not going to play it safe. We're just going to like, you know, put something out there. It might be like a little quirky and in some cases it might be controversial. I don't think in this, in the sense of, dev docs there was any controversy there but it was mm -hmm. just kind of like a very different perspective on this and so um the, the 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 design team and you know um all the folks working on that they came up with this idea of like you know this this, this sense of like you know this retro video game art style and um what i love about it is that when you go to the the dev you know site and you see like that that landing page there's like this kind of like you know pixelated town right on the top but but below that there's like all these subterranean layers like all the yeah. are like that are kind of like, like lemmings on a piece yeah. of the game oh, oh my goodness that's a good yeah. <laughs> underneath the town are like all these people who are working to make the town yeah. you know, yeah. thrive and be successful right and so like a lot of times you don't you know you don't see those people and so what i love about that art is not just the the pixelated you know kind of aesthetic but just like the the shout out to the people that are kind of like working you know at the infrastructure layer making things happen yes. um yeah a lot of times those people don't get a lot of visibility yeah. so yeah there's there's a, there's a few different things about that that i really liked when they when they produced that i mean it was it was super cool when that came out because everyone was like whoa geekness my mind blew even further because i was like Hydrogen to me, um, I think someone commented on a Slack channel that I was in as well. It was like pure Web3 vibes. So like this Psychedelic. coming together of like Psycho. Yeah. gaming ideas yeah. with like this ultra modern, the next internet concept. And like yeah. vaporwave. It just says, yeah. yeah great off energy. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about that. Oh, it's really interesting. I mean, I think I think we what what we really wanted uh, was something that stood on its own. Like, I think I think probably through DevDocs, and I might be speaking for you, uh, Gavin. Here, we learned that like we don't have to. The brand can stand on its own, particularly with developers. I think like we don't have to go and get that like Shopify website and like copy and paste that onto the developer stuff. That nobody's gonna like that. Um, and it was the same for hydrogen. Like this is, this is a big bet. It's something that we want to stand on its own. 
how can we uh, go out in the market and um, make it stand out? And we looked, we looked at so many frameworks. We looked at looked yeah. at all of them, and they all, if you if you get them all at a Figma and you look at them, they all have this like uh, sort of blueprinty vibe. Like all of them have like lo-fi icons, like little yeah. mountains or like whatever. And we were like, what if we just go really loud? Uh, um, and it was really interesting because I think, um, a the marketing team just absolutely slayed it. Like it, it came through, and I think everyone was just like, "Wow!" And I don't know if you had this, Gavin, but like there was definitely we got it back, and we were like, "Whoa, this is a lot!" Uh, and like your reaction might be like, "Wow, this is like outrageous." I don't know. And the more we sat with it, like having that reaction, we were like, "Okay, it's probably the right thing." <laughs> um, yeah. And it was really interesting because we we did have all sorts of different feedback where it was like, "Oh, maybe it's too far. Like maybe we should walk it back. Like it might be a little bit hard." Um, and I think the fact that like the first impression was wow <laughs> was was sort of the right uh, thing that we held on to, and then we sort of like we tweaked it over time. Um, but I think, I think what we wanted to get back to was that nostalgic thing. It's like, you look at it and you're like, cool, there's some nineties stuff in here, but it's, sort yeah. of rem- it's like a remix of like what you see on like other websites, like Stripe is all gradient like some of that's in there, but yeah, it's yeah. Like a mishmash of all of it. And I think it works really well, um, because you hit it and you're like, oh, cool. Like this is a developer thing, but it doesn't <laughs> look like all of the other ones. No. And I think yeah. b- both sites preserve really well. And it's that yeah. under the hood, right? Like we didn't compromise on usability. Yep. It's still really intuitive. Yeah. It works really well across a bunch of devices and platforms. So it's like yeah. the best of what you would expect on the web in 2021 combined mm-hmm. with like this retro energy that's actually like almost emotional, right? And yeah. who does that with, with you know, corporate output it's like the idea that you would build some kind of spirit into something it's like the holy grail um i really loved that yeah we (laughs) shipped it damn it yeah that plus our um teenage twitter handle just like tells people a lot about what shopify's like totally (laughs) okay yeah the hydrogen team just basically like dialed it all the way up to like 11 on that one (laughs) what what's sneaky stuff like that is that it's it's not just like, wow, that's like, you know, such a fun design. It actually yeah. creates a memorable touch point that yeah. I think if we're smart, and we haven't quite done this yet, at least on, on the on the on the build side, is mm-hmm. if you carry that sensibility through deep into the experience. So like for us, for instance, those mm-hmm. that pixel art, it actually makes for fantastic icons, right? So as right. you're like moving yes. through the experience, you've got these little wayfinders, like a like a light bulb or something like that, or like the a moments. Yeah. Like a little Mario question box, right? Like they can mm-hmm. become these like, you know, sort of tethers to that initial experience. And they can also help guide you through as you're getting like more and more subterranean, right? Um, so that's I think that for me is one of the goals going forward is like, okay, we've we've establish this like impression right out of the gate now how do we carry that through into the actual more like business end of the experience right so that you're still you're reminded that this is fun and that like you Mm -hmm. know you're part of this whole world um that's what great that's what great design is is like it it kind of like reinforces these emotional touch points yeah and i would i would just add to that like if you look at the hydrogen side the thing that um you might notice compared to what I would say, I don't want to slander the corporate world, but like a lot of corporate stuff that might come out like this is none of this is a lie. Like the code in here is real code from the framework. Like I'm just going through it to really validate this. There's a, a demo, which is like Toby creating it on his computer. And like, that isn't made up. Like we, this is the actual CLI. Like we don't, it's not obfuscated at all. Like we're really 
putting it all out there, even though it looks all flashy and really cool. Like none of it is fake. It's actual code. We didn't mess yeah. around. There's an authenticity in that, I yeah, think. I was well, and this is what I feel like the episode, it's like, this is our permission to nerd out. Like yeah. we are super interested in all of those layers of experience yeah. and functionality. And these sites are just front doors for all of that stuff. Exactly. Um, which I love. Okay. So we're going to wrap up the episode with this bad boy. Uh, I mean, the idea was supposed to be that we can pick and choose, but um, I'm just going to pick a couple of questions here. These are just like a quick fire round, one for each of you. Um, who knows uh, what it's actually going to do? So, <laughs> really uh, Owen, tell us about, if you can, in like one minute, uh -oh. one of your biggest failures oh, no. as a designer. <laughs> oh, man, way to start. Yeah, it's, um, it's a juicy one. Yeah, got to give us something juicy. Oh my god, I'm on the spot. <laughs> like, what is the biggest? Failure? I think, um, actually, in the developer space, the biggest one that I have maybe like struggled with, even as a manager, is just like, uh, for the like, there's this instinct in UX to like not show stuff until it's like further along or like looks good enough to explain. But something I'm learning in the developer space is just like air it all out, show your garbage. Uh, <laughs> it will help you a lot. Like I think um, w there's been a few cases where it's like we will like hide or like shelter uh, something that we're working on because the guts aren't really right yet. But when it comes to this developer stuff, that's when we should be showing it because it will stop us going off track a lot later. Um, and it's just, it's interesting to get used to it because usually you're like working on these like mental models or like whatever, and you don't want people to give you feedback on this thing because uh, it won't make sense yet but for this developer stuff i've really run into a few times where it's like no let's just show it like it will really help us tease out if we're just basing this on the wrong concept entirely like maybe the cli is just a completely wrong thing whatever it might be and so just being willing to be like hey this this is like half broken but just bear with me does it make sense sort of thing yeah it's super vulnerable thing as well i think um it's I said, you're it's developers, it's you know scary. they're gonna be like now <laughs> exactly but, yeah okay gavin what app service or product do you wish like anywhere in the world do you wish you had worked on Oh, wow. What app, product, or service anywhere in the world? Um, does it have to be an app? I mean, just tell us about a thing that inspires you that you wish you'd been part of making. Right. Um, well, I think that, you know, coming up as a designer, um, I was really inspired by, you know, the work of, um, you know, the, the, the really like prestige design agencies like Pentagram, for instance, you know, um, and I, you know, I studied that, that work and like bought the monographs of Paula Cher and those, you know, people like that. Um, and I think that even to this day, there's like still a part of me that would be like rather starstruck if like, you know, I was um, sitting in the same room as some of those people. Um, and I know that has like nothing to do with apps or like Love it. products from a, from a, internet point of view. Um, but I think the reason why I say that is because um, I think we all we all entered this field with a sense of inspiration and a passion for being creative. And I think that means different things for different people. 
but it's important that, you know, it's a long journey, right? Your career is not a short path. Marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Um, and so connecting back to those things that brought you here to begin with, I think are are healthy and and good from time to time. So I'll still dust off those books or like, you know, the 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 identity guidelines for you know, the, the the New York subway system, for instance, like I still enjoy flipping through that stuff, you know, it, it divides yeah. it. I love that stuff. And I think it's so important. There's actually a, a book I came across recently that was um, beautifully designed. It's like a wine uh, infographic book that had all of that sort of really interesting, like texture stuff and color play on the front cover. And then every single visual in the book is stunning and then, but then you even like take the paper and like the the paper that they picked and like all these layers of design it's like yeah that's not the ui that's not geeky it's not about building anything but just like that it to hold it and feel it and look at it just like waves of pleasure go through your mind and stuff you know i love that stuff absolutely love it gentlemen thank you so so much for kicking off our podcast season with this amazing conversation i encourage everyone to follow you on twitter i will put your twitter handles and all your social stuff there i'm pretty sure you're probably hiring <laughs> so yeah. we'll make sure that people know to connect with you because we're always hiring um but yeah thank you for this conversation and thanks, uh, thanks to our audience for listening in Check out more from our team or find out how to join us by visiting ux.shopify.com. Inside Shopify UX is hosted by me, Lola Yalayo Pearson. Produced by Jen Shaw. Assisted by Isabel Hamilcarassi. Edited by Michael Busser. With art and graphics by Alicia Giroux. Danny Chavez-Ackerman. And Trevor Slovani. Music by Silent Quiet Spaces. Tune in next week where we ask the question, did UX kill visual design?